Holy Hour of Power. My name is Jesse Romero, one man car today. This is a Terry and Jesse show. My partner's doing some apostolic work. I invite you to this Holy Hour of Power. This is not low energy, but it's high energy Catholic radio. A lot to talk about today. Today is, uh, <clears throat> again, the month of July. We're nearing towards the end of the month. It is dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus. The feast of the precious blood of our Lord was instituted in 1849 by Pope Pius IX. But the devotion is as old as Christianity itself. The early church fathers, they say that the church was born from the pierced side of Christ in John chapter 19. And that the sacraments were brought forth through his blood. In fact, the seven sacraments, it's exactly what it is. It is contact with the mystical blood of Jesus Christ. And this precious blood, which we worship, is the blood which the Savior, which the, sh- the Savior of our, wor- of, of our world, or the Savior of the universe, He shed for us on Calvary and reassumed that His glorious resurrection. It is the blood which courses through the veins of the risen, glorified, living, living body of Jesus Christ, who now sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. It is the blood made present on our altars, by the words of consecration, it is the blood which merited sanctifying grace for us and through it washes and beautifies our soul and inaugurates the beginning of eternal life in it. <clears throat> we also have a, a guest, Kimberly Begg. She's going to be on the next, uh, the next segment. She wrote a book. It's called Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. I can't wait to talk to her. Because I, I think that everybody here would agree that right now we need stories of saints who are going to inspire us. And that's exactly what she wrote a book about. Uh, saints who have inspired other saints. And that's exactly what we need right now. Inspiration. But we need godly inspiration. We need inspiration from people who follow Christ, not secular humanist. And so... Uh, I can't wait to to hear uh, what she, she has to say on the next segment. That's going to be quite interesting. Also, today's the feast day of uh, St. Joachim and St. Anne. The parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary pray for us. St. Joachim and St. Anne pray for us. According to a second century tradition, St. Anne and St. Joachim conceived Mary as a gift from God after years of fertility, kind of like Abraham and Sarah. Devotion to St. Anne dates, dates back to around the year 550 AD when Emperor Justinian built a church in her honor. She is St. Anne is frequently depicted as teaching the Blessed Virgin Mary to read the scriptures. The saints, Joachim and Anne, they were part of a long chain of people who had transmitted their faith and love for God, expressing the warmth and love of family life down to Mary, who received the Son of God in her womb and who gave him to the world and to us. How precious is the family as the privileged place for transmitting the faith of Jesus Christ. And then we also have, obviously, the Holy Family of Nazareth. Again, civilization is communicated and passed by way of the family. So says St. John Paul II. Let me share with you some things that are that are pressing right now. The cartels are thriving under the Biden administration. 
a top official at the Department of Homeland Security, has admitted that people smuggling cartels are thriving under the Biden administration. Migrants are paying cartels with the $15,000 to facilitate their journey to the border, said Blas Nunez Neto, who is Alejandro Mayorkas' deputy for border and immigration policy at DHS. He, he said, this is so lucrative for the cartels. In fact, we're now seeing the drug cartels increasingly becoming a key player in actually moving people and becoming deeply involved in human struggling. Uh, Javier Becerra, fake Catholic, he's going to testify on missing children. The Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra, will testify today, in fact, before the House Judiciary Committee, explaining his department's failure to guarantee the safety of migrant children at the southern border. HHS has lost track, track of tens of thousands of children after hastily releasing them from its custody, many of whom are, who are tragically being exploited. Uh, and I hope he has to stand tall and answer those questions today. Also, there's a, a Nobel Prize winner. He was canceled over his climate change opinion. The International Monetary Fund canceled a talk by one of the world's top scientists after he stated that he does not believe there is a climate crisis. Dr. John Clauser was one of three physicists awarded the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics. He says, I don't believe there's a climate crisis. Dr. Clauser said, the world we live in today is filled with misinformation. It is up to each of you to serve as judges, distinguishing truth from falsehood based on accurate observations of phenomena. Also, D.C. police are investigating attack on pro-lifers. Don't hold your breath. Washington, D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department has launched an investigation after two pro-life sidewalk counselors were allegedly attacked outside of a Planned Parenthood facility on July 22nd. A, a group of pro-life sidewalk counselors were gathered along with other pro-life activists outside the facility Saturday morning. A verbal altercation between the pro-abortion passerby and one of the activists quickly turned violent. Also, Bishop Joseph Strickland, he comments on his visitation. The Bishop of Tyler, Texas, denied any wrongdoing related to the Vatican inquiry into his conduct and that of his diocese and said the recent apostolic visitation was not fun. The Vatican's delegates were looking at, at everything, Strickland said. I've got nothing to hide, he added, comparing the visitation to being called to the principal's office. Also, LGBTQ activists level shocking threat against educator. A local school board president in California has been inundated with threats that left-wing activists will dismember her, kill her children, and slaughter her pets, writes Father Ben Johnson. Her crime, saying that teachers should not keep parents in the dark if their children begin to identify as transgender. Wow. Well, here's also a kind of good news, a Catholic answer to addiction. A slow but steady effort to bring an explicitly Catholic rehabilitation facility to Arizona is coming together as a small group of activists works to build the program bit by bit. The Colby Mission, based out of Phoenix, is working to realize a Catholic home to serve those battling addictions. Also, communism versus religious freedom. Father Alberto Reyes, a Cuban priest, recently stated that members of the church who denounced the injustices that occur in the country get calls and threats from the government. 
The control of the state and the Communist Party over religion, as well as over the rest of the aspects of life of citizens, limits and restricts, and regulates to the extreme many of their actions and movements, according to the World Religious Freedom Report. So nothing's changed over in Cuba. And just, again, just a reminder, today's the feast of Joachim and Anne, grandparents of our Lord Jesus Christ and patrons of all grandparents. Um, and finally, the Pope Paul VI's shortest encyclical, Humanae Vitae, which reaffirmed the Church's teaching on human sexuality in the midst of the sexual revolution, <clears throat> turns 55 today on July 29th, uh, in three days. To the consternation of many, the Church continues to hold firm in its rejection of contraception, in, contraceptive intercourse decades later. Um, let's uh, give, me, give me some soul food. I got about two minutes left. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Today's Holy Gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. But the seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty fold. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is exactly where we're at right now. We have many Catholics, especially many Catholics in power, in political power. They have ears, but they can't hear. We even have many Catholic bishops that have, and cardinals that have ears, but they can't hear the gospel as well. And so let's hope and pray as lay Catholics. Let's make sure that we continue working on our interior life, a life of prayer, sacraments, reading sacred scripture, a life of virtue. Why? Because we want to make sure that when God scatters the seed, which is His Word, we want to make sure that our that our that our soul is not uh, is not rocky. We want to make sure that our soul is not uh, you know uh, it's not uh, withered for lack of roots. We want to make sure it's not for, uh, full of thorns and thistles. We want to make sure that our so, that our soul is that perfect place where God's Word lands on it, and that we're able we're able to bear fruit and we're able to cultivate our interior life and we're able to become as holy as God wants us to become. Well, guess what? Up next, we're going to be having an incredible interview here. I've been waiting to talk to Kimberly Begg. She wrote a book. It's called Unbreakable Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. Boy, oh boy, do we need this type of inspiration right now. Stick around. Next segment, we'll be here with Kimberly Begg, her new book, Saints who inspired saints to moral courage. We'll be right back. God bless. We're back to Terry and Jesse's show. We got a special guest today, Kimberly Begg. Uh, Kimberly, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Glad to have you on. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. 
Let me give Kimberly's a uh, little bit about Kimberly. She's a Catholic wife, a mother of five, who is trying to cooperate with God's grace to guide her family to heaven. I love it. We're, we're on the same team. Uh, she, she, an attorney with more than 20 years of experience strengthening Catholic and conservative causes, she helped found Young America's Foundations Standing Up for Faith and Freedom Seminar, a program for students at Catholic schools, while serving as the foundation's vice president and general counsel, she serves on the board of overseers of the Dominican House of Studies, the board of directors of Young America's Foundation, the board of advisors of the, of the Claire Booth Luce Center for Conservative Women, and the D.C. Board of Regents of Thomas Aquinas College. You got all the right people on your side. You're checking off the boxes with me. I said, yep, I'm glad I have her on. She's the director of programs and general counsel of the Order Family Foundation, and the editor of Catholic School Playbook, an online resource for the renewal of Catholic education. So, Kimberly, you wrote a book. It's called Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. Boy, oh boy, this book is timely. I'll tell you why. Because we as lay Catholics right now in our country, we need inspiration. So, Kimberly, why did you write this book? Well, we are living in a time of great confusion where even a lot of Catholics don't know who they are and why they were made. And therefore, they are trying to find a way around the cross. But this idea that our path to heaven can ever be free of suffering and, and sacrifice has no grounding in sacred scripture or in the great traditions of the church. And one of the greatest traditions that the church gives us is the lives of the heroic saints. These are the men and women and the boys and girls who have come before us, who show us what it means to live our lives out in the world as Catholics. It's just not enough to look at our faith as a, as a box, box checking exercise to go to mass and to worship in private and to believe that we're Catholics privately. Part of our faith and a very important part of our faith is living our faith out in the world. You know, that's that's so important because in America, this is by and large a Protestant country. And in Protestantism, they don't have an understanding of redemptive suffering, although they obviously everybody has to suffer. But they don't have a theological understanding of redemptive suffering. And that's why in America, you uh, the prosperity gospel is, is very popular here. You know that God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy and wise. But that's quite the contrary. When you look at the tradition of the Catholic Church, you look at the great saints, you look at sacred scripture, Old and New Testament, that's just not true. The fact is, all of us have to carry our cross. So let me ask you, Kimberly, there's a lot of books about saints out there. What makes your book different from all the other ones I have in my shelf? Well, this one talks about some of the church's most courageous saints mm. and incorporates the stories of their favorite saints. So the saints that they prayed to during their lives, the saints who interceded for them during their lives. And it also highlights moments in their life that helped them develop a habit of living courageously for Christ out in the world. So some of the stories are stories of martyrs. They didn't just one day um, confront a really difficult situation and decide to be heroic in that moment. They had spent their entire life being courageous for Christ, living their faith, loving Christ, praying, going to mass, sacrificing along the way, and showing the world who they are, why they were made, and that they are serious about living their faith every day. The, uh, again, th this book is timely. Uh, anybody that wants to be inspired, 
Go to tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. Get the book, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. Go to tanbooks.com. If you want to be inspired, and who doesn't, especially right now, uh, with, with uh, the, the state of our country, the state of, uh, the state of the church in many places, who doesn't need to be inspired? Well, go to tanbooks.com and get the book, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. And Kimberly, you know, you're right about something. Courage is contagious. I don't know who said that. I don't know if it was a poet or something. But, but when you see somebody doing something courageous, it inspires you. And, and it has, a, it has a, a, a synergistic effect. Uh, let, let me ask you about how many saints are in your book. And how did you choose the particular saints that you have for your book? So about how many saints are there in your book and why did you choose those in particular? Great. Okay. So there are 14 saints in total. There are four main saints and the 10 saints who inspired them. The first saint, the inspiration for the book is Blessed Yerji Papiushko. If you're not familiar with Blessed Yerji, he was the chaplain for the Solidarity movement in communist Poland. And he was the courageous priest who gave the masses for the fatherland that attracted sometimes more than 20,000 people, including non-Catholics, by the way, who showed up just to hear somebody speak the truth about the evils of communism. He had a, a lot of friends in the country who would, would jot down notes uh, from his, his homilies and they would reprint them in underground newspapers and they would republish them in Radio Free Europe. So his message was going throughout Poland, so for those who couldn't actually show up to hear his homilies, and throughout the Eastern Bloc. Well, when I found out that his favorite saint as a boy was Saint Maximilian Kolbe, his whole life just made sense to me. So he first learned about Saint Maximilian Kolbe when he was a boy visiting his grandmother's house. His grandmother had copies of Knights of the Immaculata, which was Kolbe's newspaper, and he read them as a child. And this was his favorite saint throughout his teens, throughout the rest of his life. But his whole life makes sense when you realize that every step of the way he was praying to St. Maximilian Kolbe and reflecting on his unbelievable courage in his life and then trying to discern God's will in, in his own life and then make sure that he was staying on the right path. Well, Kimberly, you're, you're, this, this all makes complete sense. Now you're jogging my memory and I'm just thinking about, again, uh, other saints, uh, uh, you, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola in the hospital, he's reading... St. Augustine's Confessions, and, and as, as you read the stories of different saints, you, you, now you're just, something's triggered in my mind. That's right. How did, how did I not see this connection? They were inspired to a life of holiness and virtue by reading the lives of, of their predecessors, of saints before them. I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you reminded us as Catholics uh, about this, this very important uh, tradition that we need to tap into because again all of us need some inspiration Kimberly we got some we got you know quite a bit of time give us another story uh that uh, we need to hear right now for such a time as this give us one more story okay wonderful so we are all familiar with the story of Saint Joan of Arc right so she is such a giant in our faith you know it's almost impossible to believe that she that, that any of this happened, that this farm girl at 16 year old, years old left her home, ended up leading armies of, of French 
soldiers to drive the English out of France, right? It's almost an impossible story, except that it's all true. And in fact, up until her point in, in her life, we know more about St. Joan of Arc because of all of the trial testimony than we know of any other human being who ever lived, lived before her time. Well, we're all familiar with the story of how St. Michael the Archangel inspired her. And I knew there were other saints, but before I did my research, I didn't know anything about the two female saints who inspired her. Those were St. Margaret of Antioch and St. Catherine of Alexandria. And guess mm -hmm. what? They were teenage martyrs in the early church. They were killed during the Diocletian persecutions. And the fact that these teenage martyrs inspired St. Joan of Arc who had this just really wild mission um, given to her by Christ, it really makes you realize how she was able to, you know, leave her home at yet such a young age, um, convince the, the um, commander of a fortress to give her escorts to go see that Delphon, um, to convince him to lead uh, soldiers out in battle. So, you know, we all, I think, have lost so much of our, our cultural memory as of Catholics, of so many of the saints who have inspired so many of the great saints before us. And I think St. Margaret of Antioch and St. Catherine of Alexandria are great examples of that because in middle, medieval Europe, they were very, very popular saints. Kimberly was, uh, got a question, was uh, St. Joan of Arc, I think she was, I'm just gonna ask you since you've done the research, she was single, correct? She wasn't married, What was she? No, she was very single. She was very young. She was 13 when St. Michael appeared to her. She was 16 when she left her home. And she was 19 when she was burned at the stake. And um, and, and when her heart was discovered by her, by the way, by her very experienced executioner who put sulfur and oil and flames on it and could not destroy her heart. So her heart was completely intact and blood was still completely within her heart. Kimberly, who were, who were the ones that put her to death? Was it the British, the, the British politicians or the British bishops? Who was the one that was the, the who were her jurors that, that sentenced her to death? Well, it was um, mostly her, her, her French um, bishops and um, her, her, her French countrymen who betrayed oh. her. Her own, um, her own. It was her own and, that put, okay, and I didn't know that. Thing who abandoned her. Um, it, it, you know, it was a complicated time because there were a lot of English who had sided with, um, with the, w there, I'm sorry, there were a lot of French who had sided with the English and Bishop Cochon, who was her, who was really the driving force between the, behind her arrest and behind um, her trial and also behind the sentencing. Um, he had put all of his all of his eggs in the English basket. So he was so sure that France was going to lose the war, war that he was busy making connections with those who could help him politically um, among the English. Got it. Okay, makes sense. Hey, uh, we got Kimberly Begg here. She wrote a great book called Saints Who Inspire Saints to Moral Courage. Get the book. This is the time right now where we need to be inspired so that we can keep fighting the good fight of faith, as St. Paul says. Go to tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. Get the book, Unbreakable. I love that. Unbreakable. Saints who inspired saints to moral courage. That's exactly what we want to do as lay Catholics. We aspire to inspire all of you until we expire because all of us, our heart's going to stop one day. Uh, Kimberly, I want you here on for another segment, but let me just, uh, 
Let me ask you a question. Has this done something personally for your faith walk, doing the research, writing the book about these saints? What has this done for you personally, your interior life? It took me about almost an entire year to write the book. And so I spent every single day of that year just immersing myself in these stories and praying to these saints. Every time I sat down to write, I was very intentional about praying to each of those saints. And it was like a a year-long spiritual retreat for me. And then, you know, ever since, it's it's been almost a year since I finished the writing. But in that time, I've had so many wonderful occasions to talk to people about the book. And again, they ask me their individual questions. And it causes me to reflect and make even connections between our lives now and what the saints went through that maybe I wasn't even thinking about while I was writing, except that I do believe that the work was inspired by the Holy Spirit and very much inspired by these saints. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, stick around. We, we're going to keep uh, Kimberly Beg for another segment. She's the author of the book, Unbreakable Saints Who Inspire Saints and Moral Courage. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. We've got Kimberly Beggs. She just wrote a book called Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspire Saints to Moral Courage. You can pick up the book going to tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. You can always uh, count on on Tan for authentic Catholic uh, books and publications. Kimberly, give me another inspirational story. You just gave me two powerful ones you said you got 14 so so give me at least uh, one or two more because i want to be inspired as i go on today this is great thank you okay so um are you familiar with saint jose luis sanchez del rio oh yeah come on every mexican (laughs) every mexican knows who he is but i'm sure you're going to teach me some things go ahead so my sons absolutely love St. Jose, right? So he was the second saint that I wrote about. And I had come up with a list of about 12 saints and, and saints who had inspired them. But as I went, I just felt very compelled to go you know, from one to the next to the next. And then the book ended up with four. But St. Jose was just so important to me on my heart that I felt very passionate about writing about him. And I think I know why. So St. Jose was um, born in the early part of the 20th century. And he was a young boy in the 1920s when um, Paez became president and he started enforcing the uh, very socialist constitution that had been passed a few years earlier. And this constitution had basically outlawed Catholicism. Okay, Mm. so it outlawed the public practice of religion, of of all forms of of worship publicly, of, of going to mass, of having processions on the street and even of religious instruction. And what I love about his story so much is because with his parents' support, he took it upon himself to go out to the neighborhood boys and teach them about Jesus. So he always considered Jesus to be his best friend, and he would instruct them about Jesus, and he would even take them to churches, and he would take them to pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, 
He was very upset about what was happening in Mexico. He was patriotic. He loved his country. He had seen family members go off to fight for the Cristero resistance movement. He was too young to go on his own, so he had to get his parents' permission. His parents agreed. Um, they, they understood his heart, and they understood that this was very important to him. But he went to one camp, was turned away, went to another, and was accepted into the camp. Now, what's so great is growing up, his family, like many families in Mexico, had a strong devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Juan Diego. So he was very, very familiar with these stories. And if you know St. Juan Diego's story, he was only a Catholic for a few weeks when Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to him for the first time, which I just find so tremendous. So as you know, he went to the bishop, the bishop did not believe him. And so the next time Our Lady appeared to him, St. Juan Diego pleaded and said, you know, Our Lady, send somebody else, you know, get a nobleman, somebody who is going to be believed, you know, not me. And Our Lady said, this is your mission. You know, you are the one that I want. You are the one who has to do this. And, you know, all the saints in this book understood that we were all created for a specific purpose and that we have a specific path um, that is made just for us, you know, that nobody else can accomplish. So I love that St. Jose grew up knowing this story. So when he went off and he was accepted into the second camp, he was too young to fight. So he made coffee and he got water and he helped the soldiers in other ways. And because all of the soldiers knew why they were there, they always had priests at camp and they had mass. And the other soldiers were so inspired by how reverently he received Jesus really present in the Eucharist. And he, they gave him the nickname of Tarsetius. So I was not familiar with this wonderful saint, but he was an early Christian martyr who was killed during the Valerian prosecutions. And he had such a great love for the Eucharist that he volunteered to give the Eucharist to prisoners. And, um, so he was walking through the street and, and he was he was murdered, but he was found clinging to the pouch holding the Eucharist. But these soldiers saw St. Jose kneeling, being so reverent. And, you know, you, you look and think about a 14 year old boy. He wasn't ashamed of his faith. You know, he wasn't trying to fit in and be all tough and look at me. He knew why he was there. And he, like you said before, you know, courage inspires courage. And this inspired the soldiers. This 14-year-old boy inspired these men. Well, when they went into battle and General Morphin's horse was shot, it was Jose who gave up his horse. And so he gave it to General Morphin and General Morphin rode off and Jose knew that he was going to get captured and he was, and he endured five days of torture. Um, he also, by the way, endured five days of temptation. You know, the Federales told him, look, we'll make you an officer. We're gonna give you this great life. Just renounce Christ, you know, say death to Christ mm -hmm. the King. And he refused to do it. And so he was tortured and murdered in front of his family. You know, that, that story is so relevant for the time that we're living in now because uh, <laughs> I look at the person running our country right now. We, we have a Plutarchal Caius in the U.S. right now. All of us as Catholics, we're all Jose Luises. We have to make a decision. Are we going to follow Christ the King or are we going to cave into socialism and deny our faith? Because where Mexico was at 100 years ago, the United States is in that position right now. We've got uh, uh, we, we got socialism ready to go, swallow up this 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 once Christian nation, and so all of us uh, 
we could be uh, Jose Luis Sanchez's, or we can be uh, his. Uh, what was his godfather? Who was the one that betrayed him? Was his godfather, or his uncle? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. And it's uh, funny, Kimberly. My brother Johnny. He's my younger brother. He's always boasting to me. My wife was born in Sawayo, Michoacan. So my sister-in-law Mary. You know, a shout out to her. She was born there in Sawayo, Michoacan, where where Jose Luis is buried, uh, and where he was from, Sawayo, Michoacan. So, thank you very much for for sharing that story. I'm, I'm very inspired. Uh, let me ask you. So, I got time for one more short story. One more short story. Can you give us one more? Because there's 14. So you gave me three right now. Give me one more. Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta. She stood up in 1979, she accepted the Nobel Peace Prize. And in a room full of the elites of Europe and the United States, and the very, very pro-abortion, you know, most important people in the world were there. It was broadcast internationally. She talked about abortion as the greatest destroyer of peace of our day. She did the same thing in the 1990s as the guest of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, and she was on stage with Al Gore and Tipper Gore, she said the exact same thing. And you know what? The audience didn't know how to respond. And so we had these, these, these Democrat, these liberal, these very pro-abortion politicians on stage, and they refused to applaud her. But you had people, like you said, courage inspires courage. Mm. They started standing up. They started applauding her. <laughs> um, she was inspired by St. Therese of Lisieux. St. Therese did little things with love. She dedicated every single moment of her life to serving Christ, to suffering for him, to sacrificing for him, and to love him in every single thing that she did. And that's what Mother Teresa did. And that's why she loved the poorest of the poor. And she considered those who supported abortion to be among the poorest of the poor. So when she spoke out against abortion, it was in defense of the defenseless babies in our mother's wombs who are being slaughtered, but it was also to evangelize to the people in that room who supported abortion because she considered them the poorest of the poor. St. <sighs> Mother Teresa, St. Jose Luis, uh, St. Tarsisius, who else did you mention? Um, uh, who else did I mention? Tarsisius, uh, um, St. Joan of Arc, St. Margaret of Antioch, St. Catherine of Alexandria. Pray for us. So let me ask you, what is the biggest challenge that Catholic parents face today and what should they be doing uh, or, what sh or, or what shouldn't they be doing in their parenting? They don't understand that we live our faith every day and they don't really understand that there is a, a Catholic way of living that understands that we are made for greater things and that our time in this earth is, is very limited mm -hmm. and that our time has to be meaningful and purposeful. So if you ask most parents today, you know, what do you want for kids? They will tell you, I just want them to be happy. It's probably the most repeated line from parents, but we want so much more for happiness. Happiness is wonderful. God wants us to be happy. But we can have joy even in our moments of suffering. So, and all of the saints in the book show that. In fact, I've always been amazed by how that doctors described St. Therese in excruciating pain, but she was so joyful. And she even said at the end of her life that she couldn't suffer anymore because all of her suffering was done out of love for Christ. So even suffering was not possible for her. That's the way that we have to look at our lives differently. And it's up to parents to show their kids that this is the way to live their lives. So parents have to model this behavior. So if oh. parents 
are not being courageous in the way that they're living their lives, their kids aren't going to be either. Mm. Audience, get this book, Unbreakable Saints Who Inspire Saints to Moral Courage. Unbreakable Saints Who Inspire Saints to Moral Courage. 10books.com. 10books.com. Kimberly, something about Mother Teresa that we all know in recent years because it came out in in her letters, she, she went through decades experiencing the dark night of the soul. You would have never known it. You looked at her. She always looked radiant. She always had that joy of the Lord, despite the fact that she felt this, you know, this inner darkness, uh, most of her life. Uh, that's inspirational to me. I mean, talk about, uh, uh, you know, talk about grinding it out or talk about, uh, you know, uh, what I would call smash mouth Catholicism. Mother Teresa stands as a good testament to all of us as to the fact that, uh, you know, she, she, she set, she set her sights on eternity, not on the weekend. And that's where her joy came from. And I think a lot of Catholic parents, a lot of Catholic parents, and you said something which reminds me, a lot of uh, people say, I want to get my kids to Harvard, not heaven. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. We want to get our kids to heaven, Harvard, that's irrelevant. Okay, if they go there, good. If they don't, we want to get them to heaven. Final thoughts, you got about 30 seconds. Go ahead, Kimberly. Uh, Well, since you just mentioned Mother Teresa, she also had a deep love for Jesus really present in the Eucharist. So we ask, how did she endure those very difficult years of darkness in her life? It was because of her love of Christ. And I think the greatest thing that all of us can do when we're trying to discern what our path is and what our purpose is here, I think we need to do it on our knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Amen. Thank you, Kimberly. Get the book, 10books.com. Saints who inspire saints to moral courage. 10books.com. Saints who inspire saints to moral courage. Thank you, Kimberly. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back, the Terry and Jesse Show. Just want to remind you that I got a Holy Land trip coming up August, October 6th to the 16th. Just go to my website I'm, uh, if you want to see uh, the all the details for the Holy Land trip that myself and my wife are going to uh are going to lead. It's October 6th to the 16th. Just go to my website, jesseromero.com. Also, at the end of the month, I'll be in uh, July 28th and 29th in Indianapolis for a spiritual warfare conference. That's July 28th and 29th in Indianapolis. I'll be there for a spiritual warfare conference. Just go to corpuschristiforunityatpeace.org. Corpuschristiforunityatpeace.org. Wednesdays, we got our buddies from Church Militant. We got Brad Eli. Brad, what is going on in the church, politics, and in this culture of death we find ourselves in? I can't hear Brad. Can't hear him. Brad, we can't hear you. Okay, we got Brad Eli, but I just can't hear him, so I'm just waiting for my engineer to... Obviously, we got to, on Wednesday, we have our church militant uh, segment where the anchor talks about the church news, politics, and the culture of death. Brad, are you there? I can't hear Brad. Okay, I'll just, uh, got it, got it. So, uh, Brad Eli will be on any second now. Just want to mention to you that any of you that want to go to the Holy Land with me, 
October 6th to the 16th. Just go to my website, jesseromero.com. We'd love to have you come with me and Anita. Spend nine days in the land where God walked. We would love for you to come with us and spend nine days with us. So come to the Holy Land with the Romeros, Jess and Anita. Come to the Holy Land with the Romeros. It's uh, October 6th to the 16th, and that is right around the corner. Just the corner. Okay. Brad, okay. can you hear me, my friend? Can you hear me, my friend? Yes, I'm curious. Are, are we patched through over in your end? Yes, we are, my friend. What's yes, going on, my friend? Excellent. Talk to me. Excellent. Talk to me. Okay, well, the Deposit of Faith Coalition, as you know, last week, uh, uh, Jesse was spearheading the, uh, the prayer aspect there, and the, uh, it's starting to bear fruit. Praise the God. Uh, needle Praise is being God. moved there, and just to catch the audience up, they're just coming in at it. What we're trying to do is talk about the $200 million budget that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, not the diocese all across the countries, but the, the Conference of Bishops, which the bureaucracy has all these uh, you know, Democrats and left-wingers working in underneath uh, a handful of bishops there, and have the reins, basically, of the, of the country as far as the Catholic uh, voice in, in politics goes. Hmm. Well, we're talking about defunding them, and we're talking about getting the message out to the secular media, and that's where we're, ta we're, we're, we're talking about moving that needle, getting the secular media involved. Why? Because Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Catholic, uh, you know, Church Militant, and a handful of other coalition members only have so big a voice. If we can get the secular media asking the questions, moving the needle there, uh, on open borders. You know, human trafficking is being allowed because of the open borders that the bishops are pushing. Uh, turn in your guns, basically. Dolan, Supic, uh, Tobin saying that. Why are you guys saying that? You know, don't you know that crime is going up when you turn your guns in? Law-abiding citizens being disarmed. Uh, climate change hoax. Now you got to turn in your gas-guzzling cars and your, and your uh, gas-guzzling stoves because of climate change, which bishops are not an expert on. And finally, Michigan hate speech law going through radical law here, but it's also in other places of the country. And the, the Catholic Bishops Conference in Michigan didn't even show up. At, at the, so we're trying to say, hey, why is this all falling towards anti-American policies coming out of there? And we want to get that conversation going. Well, it started to get going. Uh, the Epic Times covered the event. Uh, the, um, also, uh, PJ Media covered the event. There was 12, uh, about a dozen interviews that went out with secular media. One just dropped today. Uh, One America News covered that. Michael Boris was on there talking with them about the event. And I would like to read what the uh, the best one that, I, that I've seen so far is RNS came out on Monday, Religious News Service. And I would like to read this, just, just the top two paragraphs here, just dial this story in for the audience. It starts off, Religious News Service, they're not necessarily friends of us whatsoever, but they're writing this about the event. On Capitol Hill, a handful of Republican lawmakers are threatening to reduce or eliminate funding for Catholic charities uh, and other faith-based groups who offer aid to immigrants at the southern border. Now, we're talking about unrestrained, just open border policy that's facilitating human trafficking there. The members of Congress who are echoing, get this, who are echoing the campaigns of deeply conservative Catholic groups that vow to hashtag defund the bishops, which is what the whole presser was about in D.C., that was the title of it, have already succeeded in inserting their agenda into legislation passed by the House earlier this year. So this legislation's already been in the waterworks. We didn't necessarily claim credit for that, but the, 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 the forces are aligning here. The, the, the presence of the media is being seen, seen uh, that the whole endeavor that we did, the coalition of, of uh, Catholic media that we got together, 
had that presser out there. They're starting to align that with what's happening on Capitol Hill. And they said it's another attempt to zero out appropriations for a key Department of Homeland Security program supporting faith-based border efforts uh, is awaiting a vote in Congress. So that's awaiting a vote right now, something to pray about. So we're looking at taking the money away from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops until they get back to promoting the deposit of faith and stop promoting Democrat social talking points out there and being a lobbyist arm of the Democratic Party, which is what it's turned into. Uh, Brett, that's a huge story. Brett, you guys it, comments? Yeah, it seems to me like this is a home yeah, run. It seems to me like this is a home run. I uh, believe so. Yeah, I thought uh, it was over the top. Yeah. I'm like, boom, you got secular, well, not totally secular media there, but some corporate Catholic media, corporate religious media there that are talking about aligning those two stars there of what we're trying to accomplish with defund the bishops and what's happening in the House. Yes, I thought it was a home run, and we're just starting. Hopefully, you know, the Dodgers thing was a, was a great event. The Dodgers protests were all involved with that out in California, and it kind of came and went. We don't want that to happen here. We want it to be like the Catholic Me Too movement that began in 2018 and just grew and grew and grew. It didn't stop on June 18th or 19th of, 20, of 2018 when McCarrick was outed as a predator in Dolan's diocese in that lawsuit. That was the beginning and that's what we want Thursday of last week to be a beginning of this movement uh, where we start to see Catholic bishops need to step up and be Catholic. That was uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen's quote, that we need to hold them to that as laity, uh, lay apostolates, uh, that we're actually uh, putting the heat on saying, hey, stop being Marxist, stop being anti-American, uh, stay in your lane, which is the deposit of faith. You work for a Jewish carpenter, he's your boss, you know, do his work or stop taking the money. Um, what else have we got going? What else have we got going? Enough said on that one. Another one, Marco Rupnik. Father Marco Rupnik is really a hot potato for Pope Francis right now. He was a member of the Jesuits. Rome Dispatch this morning, if you want to catch that, it talks about that, uh, this very thing. The Jesuits are getting heat because Marco Rupnik was a Jesuit. There was 25 women that came forward and said, hey, he sexually abused me. Uh, he's a high-profile artist within Jesuits. He's also a priest of many years. He's also a friend personal friend of Pope Francis. So he gets excommunicated in, 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 because, because he uh, absolved an accomplice, meaning a sexual liaison, which means he's a predator. In court of canon law, they said, yeah, you did that. That was a sexual uh, you know, predation, and you uh, absolved the accomplice there, and therefore you're excommunicated. Well, Pope Francis uh, you know, allowed that excommunication to be lifted. And now he's been kicked out of the Jesuits, and people are turning to the Jesuits. The latest news, the Jesuits saying, hey, he's not with us anymore. He's on the Pope's you know, plate there. You need to talk to him about, is he going to have zero tolerance and you know, get this guy off the street? Because this guy, as it stands right now, Father Marco Rupnik, can actually go and find a bishop and be a diocesan priest and active ministry. It's just like beyond the pale, over the top. And that's what one of the things we reported on Rome Dispatch. We're not trying to be yellow journalists or anything else. One, you need to hear a story like that and know how to keep your faith because the far right you know, elements in the church will use that against you to say the papacy is invalid, you know, stop being Catholic or stop being you know, aligned with Rome or whatever. No, that's something that's on Pope Francis's plate. He's going to have to deal with that and answer to God to however he does that. That's on his watch. So anyway, that's the story that we covered today uh, in Rome Dispatch. And what else do we got? A third story, Catholic, Catholic, self-identifying Catholic governor of New Mexico, Michelle Lujan Grisham, 
-hmm. as an abortion mm -hmm. hotline. You call in there and you want to get an abortion and the abortion wow. hotline, you can't even make this up, it's, it's sitting down, refers the women to the Satanic Temple's TST Health, which boasts of the world's first religious abortion clinic. They actually have a ritual. They're, they're, they're in New Mexico? They're in New Mexico? New Mexico. Okay. This is Governor Michelle Grisham, Governor of New Mexico. Her hotline, we reported this on headlines today, catch headlines, you can watch it. I think it might, it's in the top five stories there. And basically saying, okay, no, not basically, the abortion hotline goes to the TST Health, which is run by the trans, which is run by the Satanic Temple. I remember that story a while ago that they were doing religious uh, abortion ritual. They're going to do the abortion, but it's in a ritualistic manner. I mean, we know that their sacrament is abortion. And here it's just in, in, in plain view. So the fact that a Catholic woman governor can have that happen, you know, can be part of that, uh, her own abortion hotline referral to that is just beyond the pale. You know, it's a human, human life and also the Satanists are actually involved with this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just beyond the pale. So What's interesting, Brad, what's interesting is that, and I've said this for, I've said this for a long time, the, the Temple of Satan, the Democrat Party, and Planned Parenthood, talk about the unholy trinity, they all work together. They all got each other's backs, and they all promote the same causes. And so I, I just, you know, when I think about how can any Catholic right now in, in 2023 vote for the Democrat Party, it's beyond me. They're, uh, they're aligned with the Temple of Satan. They're aligned with Planned Parenthood. They're aligned with Antifa. They're aligned with Black Lives Matter. Uh, I, I mean, I'm trying, to find, I'm trying to find something good to say about them. I can't. Yeah, and in and, and, and the whole spiritual warfare thing, you have to realize that our sins, whether they're big or small, uh, are empowering the devil and Satan and his hordes. Right. We're giving them more of a green light. We're giving them more right to take us over and control us on. So this is a That's huge right. problem. Spiritual battle, we got to fight it. Thanks, Brad. God bless you, my friend. That's it. That's a wrap. Terry and Jesse show. That was our Wednesday uh, segment with Church Militant. Uh, we always appreciate these guys coming on. As for us, we're, uh, this is the end of the show, end of a watch. Remember, live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Pray a rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Go to confession often. Remember, add penance and fasting to your, to your spiritual life. And read the daily mass readings. Get the word of God into you every day. And let's speak the truth to power and live without fear. God bless you. Keep the faith.